Hello and welcome to another Guildhall podcast and today we're talking about our opera for this autumn term which is Giancarlo Menotti's The Consul uh, which was his first full-length opera and it also won him the Pulitzer Prize for Music in 1950 and so today I'm pleased to be joined by some of the cast of the opera today. Uh, so we've got Michelle Alexander, Michael Vickers and Edouard Maspacadi. So thanks very much for joining us guys. Well, thank, thank you for having us. For those who don't know The Consul, it follows a political dissident on the run from the secret police but can you guys give us a bit more of an introduction to the piece and how you your characters kind of fit in i think that's a pretty good uh, summation to be honest um it's about uh, an oppressive regime and how the effects of the people within that regime how, how it affects their lives and their livelihood mm. it less focuses on the political attitudes of the parties involved but more on the effect that those attitudes have on the families of the people involved and who are you all playing in the in the opera how do you I am Magda, uh, John Sorrell's wife, who, uh, John Sorrell is a, f I'll let you explain who you are, since you are John <laughs> you Sorrell. <laughs> so I'm, I'm singing and performing the role of John Sorrell, who is mm. a, a freedom fighter, um, I guess is the, is the term to use, who is married to Magda Sorrell, who he kind of abandons in Act One. Yeah. Although he might come back for little bits, but don't want to give too much away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm uh, Magda Sorrell. I'm the one who has to deal with the repercussions of, of this life that John's chosen for uh, for us, basically. And it talks about, um, of the, the opera focuses on what Magda goes through in order to try and be with John again. And it's not, it's not just the specifics of the freedom fighters mm. family, but Magda has problems herself. Yeah. She's not all that stable to begin with, I wouldn't say. No, um, Stephen's kind of taken it from a point that she's, uh, that she has, she's a bit depressed, that yeah. she's just had a baby, that she has postpartum depression, okay. um, uh, postnatal depression. Yeah. And that she, that she's been in this fight for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she's just weary by it all. So on top of that, and then having this depression and then the instability of her, her life, instability of her life, she, um, uh, it just kind of shows basically what hers is a more extreme version, but it shows what all of the people in the console are going through. Cause she's yeah, not, so. this is her story is focused on, but you also get to see other stories like Ana Gomez um, and Mr. Kuffner, Mr. Kuffner. Uh, the magician the Russian who magician. is, is uh, Edward's character. If you yeah. want to. So I'm um, Nika Magadov, uh, a Russian magician. <laughs> Um, who is trying to go to another country, but um, we don't that no, we don't know that. But it's quite, yeah, it's quite clear that he doesn't have any papers, so he is stuck in in this oppressive re regime, and he tries all his um, tricks and charms to convince the um, the secretary at the consulate that he's good enough to just get um i don't know freedom to freedom to, to go okay. well to, to go to the this consulate um uh, country yeah he um he does his best but mm. and, to be, <laughs> and the magician definitely has one of the rare but very much enjoyed yeah. uh, opportunities for something light-hearted there yes. may be magic involved oh. uh, which is always exciting <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's not all depression. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much needed break in the opera for 
to be fair, no until, to, until you, today, though. when we started, well, when we started joining uh, different scenes, hmm. uh, my experience of the opera was very joyful and happy. <laughs> 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 until I started seeing the other scenes, which are quite uh, interesting. Yeah, and so heavy. put it lightly. <laughs> so quite a lot of pressure on you and your magic skills. Yeah, you have yeah. now had specialist magic training. I have. Yeah, I have. yeah. yeah. how's that um, gone? From people of the secret circle, um, or yeah, it's 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 actually really really cool. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite tricky um, because uh, you need to uh, do the tricks and look uh, reasonably professional. <laughs> <laughs> While you're singing and counting and all of that, um, but I th I think that's going to be one of the yeah the highlights of the the night. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, um, both uh, Daniel and I that uh, we we're both performing the same character. Mm. Um, yeah, we're working really hard to be at the at a reasonably good standard for a performance. Um, we can't. Um, I explain what magic is involved, um, of course, because it's yeah, keep all... that under wraps. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's one to secrecy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's one for the CV in any case. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the opera was based on stories that Minotti heard and news reports and kind of mm. first hand accounts he had from yeah. sort of refugees yes. back at the time. Do you think that impacted how he wrote the opera? And do you feel that coming across in 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 the in the piece? Well, I think it's. Fascinating that Minotti wrote the libretto himself, mm. and he did indeed find stories from his real life. It's not mm. all fantasy. Mm. It's the, the the example of Magda. the foreign woman, or is the, it Anna I Gomez? think it was the foreign woman. The foreign woman. He actually met that woman oh, and wow. just thought, and the magician, I think, yeah, as well, mm -hmm. met these people and said, "I'm going to put them into this." It, I think it it makes the people seem more real, even mm. in the kind of exceptional circumstances of the opera. Yeah. It, it feels like there are real people that you can relate to, and even if they are yes, extreme. Definitely. Mm. And I think there are bits of Minotti in each of the characters as well. We had the great pleasure of getting some coachings with Susan Bullock oh, yeah. um, to prepare for this role. And mm. Susan's worked with Minotti. Twice. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> wow. If you actually go on Spotify, you'll hear her recording. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but she told us uh, in, in a coaching that we, uh, she told Lucy and I that Minotti told her that of all the characters that he's written, uh, Magda is the one he relates with the most, the one that he feels is the most like him. Mm. And so uh, I, th I think I can s safely speak for Lucy and I that we, that made us take more uh, care in, <laughs> in preparing uh, Magda. She is a very complex, empathetic, I think a, lo a lot of her struggle is is she feels a great deal. She, I think she's very intelligent and she sees just what is wrong with the world mm. and, and takes a lot of that on. Mm. But even in her, what could be perceived as weakness, she's incredibly strong in the choices she makes. Yes. Definitely. She makes some very strong decisions that other people would find tough to make, I think. Just in the fact that she lets her husband live the life is is mm -hmm. a testament to her strength mm -hmm. as a character. Well, I think, and Stevens discussed this with us as well, that she once was just as much a freedom fighter as John. Mm -hmm. But with having a child and with living this life for so long, I think it becomes more difficult. It became more difficult for her and, and living in poverty and um, living under this, the oppression that they do, having the police come into their home mm. at random times, abusing them, and uh, it just became too much for her. And John, 
gets to go away for half the opera. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite half. I have some lovely little bits. <laughs> And uh, like, what are you most enjoying about the, the, the process and your, your characters so far? Like you said, you, you've just started to piece together scenes into kind of longer runs yeah. of things. How's that all going? Uh, it's really nice to start feeling that it's, it's difficult. Opera is a bit tricky because you, you're always having to use your imagination quite a bit and you don't really get a full realization of the picture until like quite late tech, on. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is always my favorite stage when you start seeing the, um, the pieces come together mm. and you start feeling the flow from start to finish. You, you get a, a much clearer idea of the character's journey. And, and the pacing of it as well. But I've definitely, uh, I came into this role thinking Magna was one person and uh, came out the other end discovering that she was far more complex than the person that I originally thought she was. And I, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the, um, the insight we've received from Stephen and from Tim. Mm -hmm. But also just being able to take this journey and work with my colleagues. And, and that's another amazing thing about this is because you, when you're preparing the role, you, you do a lot of it on your own. Mm. And when finally you get into staging rehearsals, you're getting to work with your colleagues and you get to, to experiment with their energy yes. and how they've interpreted their character and how, because when you're by yourself, you think, oh, well, John would probably say it this way or mother would probably say it this way. And then you get into the rehearsal process and you realize that this person has a completely different picture mm -hmm. of who that character is. And it's exciting and it's very rewarding. It's that privilege of being able to step into a world that your colleagues have created around you. And it's, mm -hmm. it's no longer about you bringing everything. Obviously, yes. you bring everything you can to both help your performance and help your colleagues but it's having that that world that is created by the person that sang before you the person that did the scene before you mm -hmm. and you're stepping into a into what feels like a real world yeah. and it's it's no longer just pretending it's mm. you really feel that that progression you feel you, you you just relate much more strongly with it because of that and Edward, how, have you, how have you found going from the jolly magical opera that you thought what you were doing to uh, <laughs> a bit of a more um, kind of serious? I actually realised that five minutes ago, um, <laughs> half an hour ago. Still so processing. I'm still, still processing. I'm still processing. Yeah. But yeah, I think, for instance, at the end of um, the magician scene, the main his main scene mm. uh, comes one of the most kind of moving and. Um, I don't know, heartfelt moments of the opera. And, and very I, poignant. Yeah, 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 completely. And I never, I never realised that. And um, just after uh, I do my, well, we do our main bit, we sit down and listen and watch to this amazing uh, bit of the opera. And it's just, it puts everything in perspective mm. and um, the character of the magician, which is, um, yeah, really joyful, but at the end you see that there is a, a drama behind him and you see that his um yeah his life is a bit pathetic is it's and, and you you can the the connection between between the two scenes um shows that really clearly so yeah i'm i've learned a lot this morning <laughs> about the whole story and and my character itself yeah it's it's quite a rarely performed opera it doesn't get mm. taken out of the cupboard yeah. that often like how do you how do you feel about that and how do you feel it, that, it seems quite poignant and politically relevant to well, be doing it yes. now. Like how do you, the thing is that the, his, that his style, at the time he was writing opera, um, his style w was probably perceived as old-fashioned, not um, avant-garde, mm. um, and 
probably that's the main reason why he's... Not even just less avant-garde, but I mean, it was first performed when it was in its big run on Broadway. Mm. It wasn't done... It it was seen as almost as being musical theatre. And I don't think in any way that lessens the worth of the piece. I Mm. think it just changes your perspective and your your um how you how you see it. But I, I think that that ties in with that. I mean I think Susan Bullock said that it hadn't been done in the UK in years. Years mm. and years. The sev- since the seventies, I think she said. Yeah. But it's it's amazing really to have a piece that you don't have a, a back an enormous backlog of performances well, to compare it to. Mm. Or like you, it was just on yeah. the Royal Opera House's last <laughs> season. You're like, oh great. <laughs> but it's you get to look at the music more afresh than you do mm. with a lot of the yes. other repertoire that you know so deeply already. I have to say what I really enjoy about Minotti's style is the he was always one for conveying the drama and conveying the... Uh, so a lot of things are parlato. There's a lot of things that we can be very improvisational with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I, I really enjoy about his style of writing. I think it's also controversial because there are bits uh, that you have to that you have to help the text a little bit. Yes, you do. But nevertheless, I think uh, Minotti wrote it from a very genuine and heartfelt place, and I, I do think that comes across to audiences. I really yeah. do. Mm. Also, it has some such a shallow thing to say, but it has some great tunes. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. Very- some, <laughs> d- dis- despite how strange and slightly awkward some of the music feels on purpose mm. a lot of the the speech seems so naturalistic to be almost not really like music i would say yeah yeah, yeah that was um, yeah that's the goal but next to that you have there's a trio in act one that is beautiful piece of music but only when looked at from a certain perspective it's it's really a a, a piece of contrast mm-hmm. in the music and even in the text mm. i mean it goes from being very kitchen sink drama to being very highly poetical yes. and yeah, philosophical very, yeah. in poetry, which is quite hard to deal with as a performer. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, I would say, Shakespearean in a way. In a yeah, way yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have, you do, you're very, you hit the nail on the head. You have this very like conversational speech, and like all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, what's happened? Oh, I don't know. Oh, my legs hurt. And then all of a sudden, like, you start using all these metaphors oh, and similes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, you're, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, so now we're in this mindset. Yeah. And uh, so it, that that in itself is a challenge, but I think it is effective. The one biggest, my personal favourite challenge that I don't even have to sing <laughs> is in Act 1, and it is, it is Magda's responsibility. <laughs> it's, it goes from being an entirely naturalistic scene to Magda talking not at length, but for quite a period of time about burrowing like like a mole. <laughs> um, and that has been a challenge in rehearsals to, to try and work out how you go seamlessly in one sentence yeah. from saying one thing perfectly ordinarily mm. to using this slightly bizarre imagery that doesn't feel like everyday speech. Mm. But it's something that I think is really fun to try and play with, actually. And I think Stephen mm. has been wonderful in how he's taken this melodrama or what can be made melodramatic mm-hmm. and found something something that Edgy. edgier mm-hmm. something that sticks in a little bit that suddenly makes it seem less over the top and oh how woe is my life and more and actually something real is happening here yeah, yeah yeah it has that kind of uh, yeah it's sentimental i guess is the best word i can come up with it has that tendency but steven's definitely taken it in a direction that is edgy 
but I, I also think more um, authentic uh, and mm. genuine to mm. to who these people are. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for yeah. us yeah. to really get it up up to mm. speed and on the stage. Well, the production opens on the 30th of October at the end of the month. Yeah. It does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that near. What are you most looking forward to about actually opening the run and getting uh, I have to say, because our first year as a opera students we mm. actually don't get to perform for the most part most of our trainings done in this the studio theater mm. which in itself is a unique and wonderful experience but i am so excited to be on the big stage and <laughs> with an orchestra that is so thrilling and um and to be able to share in that magic with my colleagues who we've all we're all really close and i think it's it's going to be wonderful to kind of it's because this is our first opera that we've complete mm. opera we've all done together. Yeah, and so, an ensemble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be mm. a wonderful experience to share with each other. For me, it's just sharing what we've prepared for so long with the audience because mm. I think I think this is an opera that can be very relatable to people, uh, even if they're not uh, a lot into opera, which I something that I really. Uh, like, but not least to, because it's no, in English, which of course yeah, that's is, is, nice. is mm. nice. Yes. <laughs> um, people will will connect with the story we're telling in a way that sometimes people don't expect to connect uh, when uh, they go to opera. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. I think it's leading on from what both of you said about getting in front of an audience, because yeah, with the best will in the world in a rehearsal room. Yeah. You're, you are focusing more on the craft of mm, how you totally. of how you perform in front of an audience. It becomes just or more important to deliver the story to people, yeah. mm. and there's an added there's an added edge you get on your performance, which is from that real desire to give the audience yeah, a, to tell, a great to tell a the great opera. story, yeah, to tell yeah. a really yeah. great story, and it's it's just an amazing experience to be able to to be able to deliver that in a way that is is then for someone that isn't yourself mm. if that makes mm. sense and it, i mean it really is such an important story for now like mm. i really do feel like a lot of the things that this opera touches on are things that you you still see yeah. happening in the world today mm. you still see this struggle you still see but i will say that there is always that element that of hope that kind of shines through mm. Absolutely. And that is definitely a signature thing of Minotti. Yeah, that throughout the whole piece there is always this undercurrent of of hope mm -hmm. that comes through in almost every aria and ensemble, I think. Mm -hmm. That even when in the direst circumstances it's always done for the benefit of somebody else. Yeah. Or it's always done to keep hope alive in yourself because otherwise there's no way you get through it. Mm -hmm. Oh, huge thanks to uh, Michelle, Michael and Edward for joining us for the podcast today. And um, best of luck for opening night. Thank uh, you. Just so around much. the corner. -ish. <laughs> As I mentioned, the console opens on Monday, the 30th of October in the Silk Street Theatre for a run of four performances. And you can get your tickets online at the Barbican box office or go to gsmd.ac.uk slash events to get your tickets. And you can follow and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, everywhere you get podcasts and follow us on social media. We're at Kiltall School on everything. So thanks for listening and thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.